folks, it's me, it's me, it is Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega, coming to you on a very sunny, somewhat unseasonably warm uh, Tuesday afternoon here in Napa, California, broadcasting from Sensational Manor 2.5 by way of of the IC Robots Radio Network. Yes, folks, we are a show here at the MSGV podcast where I, your host, Mr. Sensational, plumb the depths of my ordinary average soul to mine content that I can then um, turn into stories, takes, tales for you, the handful of listeners out there. Um, it is a show about not much of anything. I know there was a very famous show that was um, supposedly not about anything. This is a unfamous show, assuredly about nothing. But it's one individual weaving the boring fabric of their life into audio art for you out there. By way of a... Um, Network that kind of specializes in doing such a thing. It specializes in allowing different individuals who are members of the network to weave their own personality tapestry for you to uh, enjoy, to learn from, to be inspired by, um, to uh, compare your own thoughts and ideas uh, with, I don't know, something to listen to um, while you're doing whatever it is you're doing during the course of the week. Crazy day here today um, in Sensational Manor 2.5. Um, very busy day. And it was busy in a way that caused me to not do an episode. I guess it was two weeks ago now. But I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to, to fall down that same track. I, I didn't want to. I had just gotten back with another episode last week. And then I didn't want to once again throw in the towel this week. So I'm coming to you. No matter what, I'm making it happen, um, but just a confluence of uh, workers showing up at the house that I had to be on guard for, and then a friend of mine was going to be visiting. It was actually going to be spending the night at the manor. It was going to be our first adult house guest here. Um, the kids have had some friends over, but we have not had anyone over, we the adults. Um, so this person was going to come over, so I was running around like crazy trying to get the place presentable, but then it turns out he's not coming over. So, um, got a lot of work done on the house, so that was nice. Um, and then I had the relief of realizing that I didn't have to continue to kill myself to finish. Um, not that it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been nice to have someone over, but you know, there's just kind of that, oh, I don't actually have to finish washing those windows. I can record episode 71 very special episode 71 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast instead. So, um, yeah, I, I was going to record this episode one way or the, or the other when I was finished with all my tasks, but um, my task list got a little bit shorter, so I'm, I'm coming to you all the same. Nothing has changed. Uh, but because of just the, today's time crunch and because of the, 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 the fatigue I'm feeling, the con-esque fatigue, if you're familiar with the Space Seed episode of um, the original Star Trek series. Star Trek the original series. TOS, as the, the cool individuals call it. Um, if you're familiar with that episode, The Space Seed, when Khan, who is, is seen again in one of the um, 
Star Trek motion pictures. I was never, I've never liked the Star Trek motion pictures. Big fan of the of all the different Star Trek TV series. I feel it does not translate well in the slightest to um, motion picture format. It is it is a, a, a uh, Franchise very well suited for episodic television. Although I did um, pop huge, as they say in wrestling, I had a big positive reaction from the crowd when I when I saw Star Trek Four as a child, because many scenes in Star Trek Four were filmed in parts of San Francisco that I lived in or hung out in when I was a kid. So it was crazy to see it on the big silver screen with the Enterprise crew members walking around. Um, my childhood haunts. But um, in retrospect, I'm sure I don't feel that that was a very good movie, but I did like that aspect. But back to the Space Seed. You may recall, if you've seen that episode, that um, there's several attempts to question this individual Khan when he's found floating out in space. And, and whenever Captain Kirk is getting a little too close to the truth, is hitting a little too close to home, um, Khan tries to deflect, Khan tries to shut him down with, um, Captain, I grow Fatigued. Captain, I am feeling fatigued. Fatigued. Fatigued was his card to get out of having to, to, to put on his big boy pants and answer some real questions. Uh, he, he just wanted the softballs thrown his way. He didn't want the, the hard-hitting journalistic techniques of Captain Kirk, you know. Um, he, wanted to, he wanted more the, the level of journalism you'll find on, like, the WWE network, you know. He, uh, he, but he didn't, want, he didn't want the Wrestling Observer questions, so he was growing fatigued. And I, I'm quite fatigued today. So I think we're just going to do a good old rapid-fire stream of consciousness episode, which I feel like we do most of the time anyway. I feel like half the time I'm telling you, I was going to do this well-thought-out, you know, theme episode today, but instead we're just going to... Just going to play it by the ear, as the uh, improv folks say. Oh, excuse me. I just had a weird hiccup while I was trying to say what the improv folks say. And speaking of improv, things going off script, in the space of time that it took me to say that last bit, take a breath, and begin speaking again, I've gone through a warp of space and time where it's now... Even hours later than when I began doing this podcast, because as I was getting into full throat here for very special episode 71, I ended up having to do various uh, runs with the automobile to pick up teenage members of the Sensational family. So I'm even further fatigued. Um, Matters not made better by the fact that it's like 90 degrees outside today, and I was wearing like a full-on sweatsuit. I don't know why. That's been my uniform for months now because it's been a climate where I could get away with a full-on sweatsuit. But today was not such a day, yet here I was running around, driving around Napa, California in a sweatsuit. But I'm back here now, back here now in front of the microphone, um, further fatigued, now having to record with other individuals in the house. But the links I will go to to make sure, very special episode 71 becomes a reality. So what in God's name could we possibly talk about today? Uh, I know, we can start off talking about my recent turn as a gregariously active social person. It's been very strange. Um, I am certainly not 
an introvert in the classic sense. Um, I have no problem performing in front of people. I have no problem speaking to crowds. I have no problem making conversation with folks, but it takes a great toll. Um, If I go to a social event, I need to spend as much, if not more time than the time I spent at the event recovering from being out in the world. I need my, my... Recovery time, which, like, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the television show Deadwood that aired on HBO back in the day, but there was this um, very memorable scene in Deadwood when uh, there was a kind of big, burly gentleman. I believe his name was Dan, and Dan was kind of the heavy for the, uh, the town um, brothel owner. What was that guy's name? Gosh, I need to rewatch that show because it's been so long. But you know the guy, the guy that was played by the guy that's the, the British guy with the mustache, except he wasn't British. Al, he was the heavy for Al Swearingen. Dan was, and there is a scene where Dan has to have a bare knuckle fight to the death against another heavy, and I believe this other heavy was the heavy for. Um, the fictional version of is it William Randolph Hearst? It was someone. I don't know how many famous Hearsts there were, but it was whatever Hearst was wheeling and dealing out in the Old West during the time of of the Deadwood Television Show. That Hearst was depicted as a heel on the show, and he had his own heavy. And so Dan and the Hearst heavy went out and fought in the 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 street there in Deadwood in the mud, just brutalizing each other in hand to hand combat. And uh, Dan won. And afterwards, it showed Dan like sitting in a bathtub, if I, I remember correctly, like an old-timey, old-timey clawfoot bathtub and just kind of shuddering and uh, staring off into space. And, and that's how I feel after extensive periods of socializing. So I'm weird because it's like, I, on one hand, you get, you get these introverts that won't even talk to you. And I, you know, I mean, I get it, but I also find that kind of difficult on the other end because oftentimes when you're in a social situation, it's like, dude, we're all in this, this um, unfortunate situation. Let's at least try to make the best of it and be civil. It's kind of hard when you're just hit with a completely introverted brick wall, which has happened to me in the past. And I'm not, I, I would never do that to someone else. But at the same time, you know, I haven't really spent a lot of my adult life seeking out just randomly walking up to people on the street and talking to them and socializing, making friends. My wife, Ms. S, is much more like that. She can talk to anyone, is happy to talk to anyone. I'm usually more like, Ooh, let's keep it close to the vest. We don't need to tell them who we are, what we're up to. You know, let's keep it on the DL. Um, but that's changed a bit for me lately because as I have mentioned on previous episodes of the show, Ms. S and I, um, we're still getting adjusted to this place that we find ourselves in in life now where um, I'm still pretty busy day to day with our kids because as teenagers, they're constantly having to be um, locomoted to places. Um, As I say this, I picture some old-timey listener crashing through the wall like Kool-Aid Man with a monocle and a top hat and be like, well, you know, what, what? in my day, we just uh, kicked them out and had them walk 30 miles. But it's, just, it's easier for all, all involved if I just freaking locomote them around. The oldest one is actually working on getting her driver's license right now. But anyway, I, I run the teen taxi service during the day. Um, but by evening time, um, it's much different than when they were small. 
they kind of disappear and we don't see them and they don't really need anything from us because they're hatching into their own independent lives. Um, so gone are the days when evenings, um, Ms. S and I had to, uh, you know, um, our evenings were spent catering to the whims of, uh, small children. And again, monocle man, Oh, you don't cater to their whims. You, they do what you tell them. But okay, we're, we're not, we're in 2022, you know, we're not in 1876. Um, but really, and I'm not saying like, realistically, when you have small children, even if you're trying to do old timey monocle man thing, they're a lot of work. They need a lot of stuff. You don't really have freedom. Just be like, Oh, later kids, I'm out of here. Um, I guess you do if you want to be a deadbeat, but we weren't really trying to go out like that. Anyway, at the age they are at now, Ms. S and I are able to have an evening social life. That's what I'm trying to say here. Uh, we are able to leave the house, and it's not a big deal. There's no babysitter required. There's, the, the kids are self-sufficient in the home for a few hours by themselves at night. So that's kind of this new thing for us. And it's compounded by the fact that we have moved to this town that's all about going out in the evening. Um, it's not all about, like, it's not like a super crazy go-out-all-night town, which is funny. It, it's, it, it's more catered to old people like us, where it's like, go out and, like, the last call is, like, at 9 p.m., you know? I don't mean literally last call is at 9 p.m., but just, you know, it, there's a couple places in downtown Napa that stay up out super late during the week, but most places do close, like, around 9 or so. It's, it's, it's not a late-night uh, place, because, you know, the tourists come here, and they're, like, out drinking wine all day, so it's not like they're trying to keep the party going until 2 a.m., you know? They're already nodding off at 8 p.m. But anyway, uh, the point is there's, there's, there's no shortage of places to go hang out as an adult if one wants to go leave the home for a couple hours on a weeknight. So uh, generally speaking, Ms. S and I have started going out once during the week, midweek, like on Wednesday night we'll go out. And then um, uh, on Friday night we'll go out. It's kind of funny with Wednesday nights because I realize, you know, I do not watch, but a lot of people I know watch All Elite Wrestling, and their main show, Dynamite, airs on Wednesdays, and it's really funny because half the time, it's not even like I'm not trying to watch it, but I'm just not home on Wednesdays, and I don't, I, it doesn't even occur. I finally, at age 45, become a cool dude that's out doing stuff instead of sitting home like a dork watching wrestling. Just kidding, there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, sitting at home watching wrestling. I've, I've spent more hours than I care to uh, think about doing just that. But no, it just realistically, it's been a, kind of a funny logistical thing because there's been, there, were, there was a good 10-year run where it never, if I wanted to watch a weekly wrestling show, there's no way I wouldn't be at home. So it's just kind of this funny wrinkle that now I'm generally not home on Wednesdays and then the next day someone will be like, did you watch Dynamite? And I'll be like, huh? Oh, yesterday was Wednesday. Nope, I was out of the house like Scott Steiner. So anyway, Wednesdays when we go out, um, we generally go to a establishment that I've talked about on the show previously, uh, Napa Cigar. Um, a, uh, cigar store, easy for me to say without biting the inside of my mouth, um, here in Napa, California. And it's a store that sells cigars. You can smoke them inside the store. Um, they also have a full bar. They have beer. They have wine. They have spirits. Spirits are relatively new. Um, and this is not very common in cigar stores to have like a full bar like that. So it's kind of kind of a cool spot to go enjoy a stogue if if you are so inclined, which we are, um, and have a drink or two. And then head home. Um, but the thing with hanging out at the cigar store is it's, um, 
like most of these places, if you've ever been to one, or as I'm sure you can imagine, the whole point is it's this social environment. There's these easy chairs, and they're, they're arranged facing one another. So when you go in there, and when you sit down, and when you are enjoying your beverage or your uh, cigar, you are generally looking at someone else sitting across from you. And it's not like you have to talk to the other people in there, and there are times when I don't. But then there are other times where someone will start up conversation with you or just kind of naturally occurs. And when we first started going there, I was not into this at all. I was like, eh. Because the, the whole cigar store thing is more Ms. S's thing. She worked at one in college, and she likes that whole environment. I just kind of go along for the ride. Um, but come to find out, I've actually been enjoying talking to randos at the cigar store. It's kind of my new thing. And we've been going there for long enough now, and we live in town that we are these, you know, recognized regulars by the staff. And, and if people that are visiting kind of pick up on that, and so then they'll want to talk to you. And, oh, do you live here? And then they want to know about what's going on in Napa, blah, 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 blah. So the cool thing about this store is um, I have gone to cigar stores in the past, and I believe I talked about this on a previous episode. But I would only go to these stores, go in and maybe purchase some cigars that we were going to smoke um, Offsite, And I guess I should give a little... Uh, I, I probably don't need to, but just give a disclaimer here. When I'm talking about cigar smoking, I don't know that everyone is familiar with the pastime. It is decidedly different um, than cigarette smoking. Different product. Um, it is much less, if at all, chemically doused. It's not like you're smoking um, really bottom of the barrel flakes of tobacco wrapped up in a piece of paper with like cyanide on it, the, the whole cigarette scene. It, it, these are handcrafted cigars, natural ingredients. And when I'm talking about smoking cigars, I'm, I'm saying I do it like, I'll have like a couple a week, one or two a week. And um, I used to be a cigarette smoker and with those you could feel the effects, the, the detrimental effects, you could feel your, yourself essentially dying every time you partook in them. With um, cigars, it's not the same thing. If you keep it in moderation, you know, I don't have that same feeling. I go to the doctor, everything sounds good. I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably healthier to abstain entirely. But there's kind of that balance between mental health and physical health. And there's a reason why tobacco in this form versus cigarette form has a long history in many different cultures because it is this kind of meditative, relaxing experience. So I, I believe that the positives outweigh or at least are in balance with the negatives. I just don't want anyone to think I'm out here just you know, chain-smoking and hacking up a lung. This is all in, um, in, in the spirit of balance, the spirit of harmony. Uh, but in any case, um, as I was saying, prior to Napa Cigar, I might run into a cigar store and pick some up and run back out. Ms. S was more partial to actually hanging out in them. Um, not that she was doing it often, but just, you know, she's more familiar in the environment. Like I say, worked in one, feels more comfortable in it. Um, I was never really feeling most of the cigar stores that I'd encountered um, prior to this one. With one exception, it was a place that I've been to once and it was actually kind of similar and I'm digressing. This other store in uh, San Diego, I can't even remember what it's called now, but similar kind of vibe that we're going to talk about here with Napa Cigar. But in my experience, I often found that when I would set foot in one of these stores or lounges or what have you, there was usually kind of a 
cloistered group of regulars that would stare you down when you came in, and they did not seem interested in other people coming in and hanging out, and um, they tended towards kind of, and I don't mean this, you know, whatever, to each their own, I'm not trying to disparage anyone, but they generally tended more towards the middle-aged to older, angry white guy crowd, where they're all sitting around complaining about this group or that group or, you know... Various grievances, what have you, and I'm not saying whether these grievances are founded, unfounded. It's just not. I don't want to sit around being grumpy with a bunch of old guys. <laughs> you know, that's not really. I can sit around being grumpy by myself, and that's what I always associated cigar stores with, as far as hanging out at them. There's just kind of these like grumpy, dour, uh, uptight, sort of little old ladyish, clicky places, but. The beauty of Napa Cigar, um, as I probably talked about when I, t- I talked about them around holiday time because I talked about going to the holiday party there. But the thing about this store is it definitely draws from a local clientele. There's, there's the local regulars. Um, but because of Napa being a tourist town, there is a constant rotating cast of characters. So on any given night, you might meet someone that lives down the street from you or you might meet people that live in another country or state. Or, and I have talked to more different kinds of people in the last six months than I probably had in the last, like, 20 years, you know, before that. Or maybe my whole life before that. Because, you know, it's very easy to forget sometimes how sort of um, segregated your lifestyle is as far as the type of people that you encounter, the type of people that you spend a good amount of time talking to. Um, When I really pull back and think about it, for most of my life, um, my adult life, for sure, it's easier to to break it down like that. Most of my adult life, almost everyone I know is kind of like a 1990s, you know, sort of alternative rock bro or uh, nerd bro. a couple different camps, you know, because I had like the, the the punk rock music background, so I knew a lot of punk rocker people. I was into D and D comic books. I know those kind of people, but I, you know, as much as I like to think about uh, of myself as a cosmopolitan person about town, like I don't really have a wide variety of friends as far as different demographics go. And I'm talking about any and all kinds of demographics. Um, and usually, in the past, if I would see someone that did not neatly fit into some sort of demographic that I was familiar with, it's not that like I would hate on them or have a pro- have beef with them, but I just I wouldn't naturally it wouldn't occur to me that we were two people that could really talk about anything. And um, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm totally freak outlier in this case. I don't think I am. I think if we all look around and and, and take a good faith look inside, that we do spend a lot of time talking to people in our demographic. Um, so it's been the interesting thing about the cigar store, or again, when we first started going and some rando would start talking to me, like, oh God, why did we go here? We just should have gone to some place where you could go sit at a table and no one's going to talk to us. But with each passing visit and as it kept happening and I kept finding myself actually putting myself out there and talking to these different people and, um, not worrying about the, the kind of like Dan post-fight bath I was going to have to take to recover from the socializing. Because that is still a thing. It is still a thing. Um, the more I was able to, to, to really just kind of go with the flow and accept what was happening, and to the point where now that it's become a regular thing, I'm starting to actually kind of enjoy it. Um, last Friday, for instance, we went in. And 
there was nowhere to sit downstairs. So we were sitting upstairs in this balcony area kind of by ourselves. And when we originally started going there, I actually kind of, if we would have to sit up in the balcony area, I'd be sort of like, score, we're not going to have to talk to anyone because that place stays pretty sparse unless the place gets really crowded and then like there's nowhere to sit upstairs and there's enough people come in that they need to find places upstairs too. Um, so, but things have changed so much that on Friday, um, when I was in there, we had to sit up in the upstairs area. I was like, oh, we're not going to get to talk to anyone. And then I was like, good God, man, what did you just say to yourself? You, six months ago, you would have been overjoyed. But yeah, now I was feeling bummed. I wasn't going to get to talk to anybody. Um, but then all of a sudden, this huge group came upstairs. And sometimes when big groups come upstairs together in Europe, and there's like one or two of you, and in our case, it's always going to be two of us. They, you kind of ignore each other because the group's doing their thing and you're doing your thing. But this group, um, one lady sat down next to Ms. S and started talking to her. And soon enough, we started talking to different members of the group. And it turns out they were a group of folks from, uh, they didn't all live there, but the, most of them, unless it was like an attendant spouse, but most of the core part of the group were from the state of Louisiana, had grown up in Louisiana. And it was one of their friends' 50th birthday. So they had come, again, most of them from Louisiana. Some who had moved away came from other states. But basically, this group of folks had all descended on um, Napa for their friend's 50th birthday weekend. And they, one of them had ended up with a cigar and wanted to smoke it, and they couldn't at the hotel they were staying at. So the hotel directed them to Napa Cigar. So then they were all there. And some of them knew about cigars, some of them didn't, some were trying them for the first time. But then it cracked me up because we were talking to them and it's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pediatrician. And so they weren't all pediatricians, but a lot of them, a lot of them were doctors. Most of them were pediatricians. The one woman that I ended up talking to for an extended length of time that evening was some kind of doctor. And I can't remember exactly what she did, but she was not a pediatrician. But again, it was just a... a Wonderful example of the magic that happens at Napa Cigar, a place that I think of it almost as like a deep space nine, but on Earth, where it's just this little hub where people are coming in and, co- and going from all quadrants of the galaxy, although all quadrants of the United States and a few, sometimes people from out of the country, but all quadrants of the Earth, let's say. But in my mind, I'll pretend it's the galaxy. But, you know, when else in my life would I have met people from Louisiana? When else in my life would I have met doctors? I don't know doctors. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Just getting to see what you have in common with other people, what you don't have in common, bouncing ideas off of one another, um, having the, the, the sort of social lubricant of drinking and smoking together in this festive air. Um, and the next day after that Friday night, that was what really crystallized it for me. I realized I had more fun in that outing than in anything else I'd done in as long as I could remember. And it was doing something that is not in my wheelhouse, being gregariously sociable and talking to complete strangers. Which again, I'm not necessarily on board with in every walk of life, in every iteration, but in this new strange version that I've found, I've been enjoying it. We went back on Sunday afternoon and there was a fellow in there on Sunday afternoon who we've seen a million times before but had never talked to at length. And he's a guy, he's got this adorable kind of poodle-looking dog named Charlie. Charlie's a girl. Um, And his name is George. And George happens to be an Asian-looking individual. Um, And he, we were talking, and he asked me about that. Like, oh, are you Asian? And I was like, "Uh, partially, yes. 
Chinese on my mom's side. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's what I am, Chinese. So he is like a retired tech guy who now uh, is like a contractor that builds houses because he didn't like working in the office, managing people. So he went into the custom home building business. Um, But we ended up talking to this guy, George, for several hours and at least an hour of the talk was about food. And it was great because, you know, I have all these um, different food ideas in my mind. It's usually an internal monologue. I'll share it with you folks sometimes, the tens of ones. But I rarely meet, you know, someone. I'm not, I'm not going to walk up to someone on the street and be like, what do you think about chicken's feet? But with, with George here, because we also because we had a shared, you know, some shared background uh, we were able to talk about that. We were able to talk about our own histories with food, our own memories with food. He was able to recommend um, some Chinese restaurants. And uh, by Chinese restaurants, I mean, here's the thing. This is not to be gatekeepy or whatever, but there's a, there's a very... Chinese food is very strange in the sense that when you go into any random American city, the majority of Chinese restaurants that you see are going to be serving something that is not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Chinese food. And it's not because I'm trying to be some great overlord that ah, I know all this about it, because I've never, I've never been to China. And I'm, I'm not talking about Chinese food from China, the most authentic experience, blah, blah. But there's, it's, it's just literally serving different kinds of food. There's Chinese-American food that is distinctly different from quote-unquote Chinese food, where it's more... Um, you know, I'm talking about the, what, what you, if you grew up outside of a Chinese culinary tradition, you may be, uh, think of Chinese food as like sweet and sour chicken, um, fried wontons, um, I don't know, what's it, what do they got? Kung Pao chicken, Mongolian beef. Um, not that there's anything wrong with these things. I've been known to eat them myself, but it's very different than the more kind of like, the noodle soups you might find or the, the, the strange, like, organ meat. I don't know if you would call it. I mentioned chicken's feet just a minute ago. I don't know if that's an organ. That's not an organ. A foot is not an organ. But, you know, strange cuts of meat, um, Peking duck, um, the, all the various, like, dim sum dishes that, that, that one can get at a restaurant that serves these kind of things. It's a very distinctly different style of restaurant, and they're not always totally easy to find for the layperson, the person who's not in the know of the... Uh, the Chinese scene of wherever you were at. So George, um, uh, George pointed me in the direction of a place named Koi Palace uh, out in, um, I think, kind of near Danville. So I think we're going to go check that out. But again, just this, this great life-affirming conversation with a complete stranger who I would never have um, walked up to him up on the street and be like, hey, what do you think about chicken's feet? But here we were sitting in these easy chairs, and it just came naturally, and... Uh, uh, it all made sense. And so uh, I guess this is a strange new renaissance in my life that I've become this, this person that, that goes and hangs out looking to um, talk with randos. But I guess, you know, there's, al- there's always, I mean, isn't that like what that whole show Cheers was about? You know, you want to go to this place where everybody knows your name? Well, I guess when they're visiting from out of town, I don't know their name. But like the place has that vibe. So when folks are coming from out of town, they feel comfortable to talk to the people that are there that know the people who are working there. So it's kind of a fun vibe. It's what I've been up to lately. It's been my hobby of sorts. Um, turning into that old guy that just uh, hangs out at the cigar store talking to tourists. Um, side note, I did um, mention earlier that um, 
I was turned off by cigar stores in the past um, from that kind of stereotypical group of um, angry Caucasian fellows. Um, but the vibe at this particular place is so collegial that I've even made, a, made friends with a couple of those guys. <laughs> I play pretty close to the vest. I don't really tell them what I think about world events or world affairs, but I don't really care. It's like, I don't want to talk about that when I'm there anyway. They certainly do, but if I kind of let that just pass over me, you, you can find some kind of common ground and actually like have a nice time talking to some of these gentlemen. Um, and, and some of that anger of theirs kind of melts away and you can just talk about fun stuff and cool stuff and not, not having to worry about who's sliding you and who's getting what. So that's been a, that's been a fun little eye opener too. It's it, it all, I, I've been exposed to all kinds of people that I wouldn't necessarily, um, talk to in the wild, but an Napa cigar, um, the gloves are off and, uh, everyone's friends. So I don't know how that's of any interest to anyone. But it just occurred to me here on this fatigued, very special episode 71, how um, different my approach to socializing has been lately. My take on socializing has been lately. My appreciation of socializing has been lately. And with that, we're going to close it out uh, for this week. It's absolutely a miracle that this even happened. A complete miracle, but I stuck with it. I got it done. Um, what are the get her done? Uh, guys get all worked up about that. Um, I, I saw uh, when I had to leave this episode unceremoniously, only to return to it a few hours later when I was driving around. I was driving next to this truck, big, huge red truck, and it was a work truck. And it was a truck for some company that does some sort of automotive repair or something. But in addition to like the stickers that had their their business you know, information on it and stuff. The guy had a Punisher skull sticker and he had a sticker that said, I pack lowercase I, then capital P and then lowercase AC kind of like iMac, but I pack and I had a gun. Um, and it was just like, I, I, I'm not like a, I, I feel strongly neither way about guns. I'm not, I never going to own a gun. I could care less about guns, but I'm also not, you know, I, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I just, it's the guys that are so worked up about it. it, If I hire this guy, is that supposed to make me think, well, okay, so I can hire him and he'll also keep me safe while he's uh, doing his mobile automotive repair on my car. If some, if marauders come by, he can like pick them off before they get to us. Is it supposed to be that he's going to do the work, but then kill me and leave um, after I give him, you know, how would that work? He would, oh no, he would come, demand payment without doing the work, then kill me and drive off. Yeah. Am I supposed to presume that? Am I supposed to, or am I just supposed to think he's a cool dude because he supposedly packs? Um, am I supposed to like, then pick a fight with him, like go out in the street like Dan and, and the Hearst Heavy and have a gun battle? Well, they didn't have a gun battle. They had a hand-to-hand, but you know what I'm saying. I don't know. Just thought that was super funny and get her done reminded me of that because I think it's not same. That same aesthetic wheelhouse. Um, no offense to, to my get her done listeners because I know there's a couple, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll talk to you next time. Until then, it's me, it's me, it's Mr. Sensational Gino V. Signing off. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All those nights when you've got no lights check is in the mail and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail and you
your third fiance didn't show Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You wanna be where you can see Our troubles are all the same You wanna be where everybody knows your name Bed, Mr. Coffee's dead. The morning's looking bright. Morning's looking bright. And your shrink ran off to Europe and didn't even write.